This is Web Suasion Conversation, episode 29. Welcome to the show. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group and Kapoka Studios here at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Andrea Lockhart. Andrea is an accounting and audit professional with over 24 years of public and private industry experience. She has extensive knowledge of consolidation accounting and currency conversion with multinational public traded companies using the Hyperion financial management and Hyperion enterprise software systems, as well as experience in foreign currency translation. She's also an avid marathon runner and triathlete. We talk with Andrea today about how many businesses still use spreadsheets to manage their day-to-day accounting. This not only makes it difficult for accountants like Andrea, not to mention more expensive to process taxes each year, but it also gives the business a very limited view into how they are performing. Here at WebSuasion, we develop custom software for business. Very often, I start designing a client system based on those very spreadsheets they've been using for years. I'll develop a relational database schema that properly stores all of their data and allows us to access it through complex queries to deliver results that would never have been possible with the spreadsheets. We also add validations to data entry that greatly reduce any data entry errors, as well as functionality that simply makes data collection less time consuming. When possible, we can even automate much of the process. Our goal with each of our clients is to write applications that save them money, make them money, and let them know exactly what's happening in their business. If your business is still running from spreadsheets, give me a call. I'm happy to sit down with you and guide you through the process of building the perfect system for you. I'm Ryan Williams at the Web Suasion Group. You can reach me at 404-418-8909, extension 10, or email me at ryan at websuasion.com. That's R-Y-A-N at websuasion, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M. Now, let's talk to Andrea Lockhart. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. So tell me about your background. Did you grow up in North Carolina? No, I grew up here in Georgia. Oh, did actually. you? Mm-hmm. But you went to school in North Carolina. I did. So I'm one of the few Georgia natives Yeah, here. same here. Same here. <laughs> it is rare. Yes. So I grew up here and finished high school in Georgia, but went to school in North Carolina. What part of Georgia? In College Park. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I was South Cobb. Yep. <laughs> Not too far. Yeah. So what made you go to North Carolina? It was actually a twisted turn of events. Um, My declared major was accounting, and I applied to three different schools, but Hampton University was my school of choice, and that was always my plan to go. But I got a letter in the mail saying that I had a scholarship contingent upon going to North Carolina A&T, which was in Greensboro, North Carolina. So my family quickly vetoed my decision (laughs) to go to Hampton and said I had to go to A&T because of the scholarship. Was it a full ride? No, it was a partial ride, but I didn't even apply for the scholarship. Um, I 
just got it in the mail. So it was like, yeah. hey, you have no choice but to go here. <laughs> Going through that with my daughter right now. It's a, <laughs> it's a whole new world since we went to school. Yes, too. It's, it's, it's completely different. Crazy. So it, it worked out in the end. Did you go straight from there into working with Equifax? and? Yeah, well, companies? first when I graduated, I, came, I moved back here to Atlanta and started working for Ernst & Young. Okay. So it was one of the you know largest um, public accounting firms in the country. So I worked there for probably almost three years. So doing audits, auditing, okay. auditing many audit. different companies. Yes. So were these audits for like banks and things like yeah, that? Yeah, banks, or? insurance, manufacturing. So some of the larger clients that I had at the time was uh, Lockheed Martin here okay. in um, in Atlanta. Well. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. You got to see all the planes and things like that being made. Um, but I had, you know, the large banks here. Oh, so uh, you would actually like go on site and, mm-hmm. and work on go site? Go on site and work on their financial audits, yes. Interesting. So that was interesting because you had to go through the security yep. and, and everything related to that. So, At what point did you move on to Equifax then? I moved on to Equifax um, probably a couple of jobs. After that, I started working for Coca-Cola and did some internal auditing. Okay. And then eventually worked for Equifax here in Atlanta. So that was completely different from anything I had done up to that point yeah. because I had done financial audits, operational audits, and then I moved into consolidation accounting. So that's where you have multiple companies under one umbrella, right? but they're all operating independently, but you, then you have to roll up all those results to get one financial statement for and, that company. And that's what you were doing for Equifax? Mm-hmm. Were they doing this as a service to other companies? Or Well, that was after I left um, Ernst & Young, left the auditing field and yeah. everything. So it was just for all of their Equifax all of oh, their just companies. their internal companies. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see, all of I see. their internal companies. So you did a couple other companies after that CDC software. software. Where, where mm-hmm. was it? So again, that accounting and yep. consolidation Account- sort of stuff. Right. And a lot of um, financial reporting. So it was a publicly traded company yeah. um, that had to do all the reporting to the SEC or Securities and Exchange Commission. Right. So we provided a lot of that documentation that had to go and be public. So, report it publicly. So when you're a publicly traded company, what kind of things are you having to do that you don't normally have to do right. with a privately held company? Yeah. So with a publicly traded company, there are very stringent reporting guidelines. So you have to report on a quarterly basis and an annual basis and certain forms that you have to file. Okay. And the, it has to be filed in a certain format so that financial analysts and other people that would use those financial reports right. can compare different companies in the same industries and know how they're doing compared to their peers. So from that standpoint, a publicly traded company has to follow all of those guidelines, whereas right. a privately held company doesn't have to do that. Nobody right. ever sees their financial statements. They care about tax. Right. And, yeah, <laughs> Nobody ever right. knows how they're performing. But on the public side, everything is very transparent because your shareholders, the people who invest in your company, right. want to know how you're doing as well. So when you're doing that, are you doing that internally as part of the staff or are you doing that as a third party? Like, uh, inter- kind of- you know, if you're working there, you do that internally as part of the staff. Okay, so they... Basically, they're trusting you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trusting internally that the accounting department is going to will report it correctly. correctly. Right, okay. and then they get audited by those same the I companies see. that I worked for initially. They audit and make sure that that information is accurate okay. and um, meets all of the standards that have been outlined by the governing 
authorities right, right. for the public companies. So then with ServCorp, were you doing the same thing? I know they dealt with a lot of locations yeah. and it was a $25 million mm-hmm. revenue and $17 yep. million in assets or more. Yeah. And, and again, that was a total shift in my experience because I moved into more of the general accounting yeah. area. So this was making sure that, yes, for all the U.S. locations, we did have to consolidate all of their financial data because ServCorp was publicly traded, but on the Australian stock exchange. So they didn't have the same requirements? Or? They they had similar, very similar requirements, but we had to go by the Australian okay. uh, guidelines. So we reported Excellent. all of our data to Australia. So, you, so you've got experience with U.S. markets, mm-hmm. Australian markets. yeah, Absolutely. So... Um, and then I just dealt with all the general aspects of it, billing all of our customers, the accounts receivable, accounts payable, the HR aspects, hiring and, yeah. and firing, and really just making sure that on a day-to-day basis, the company operated as intended for all of those 21 locations. So you were managing that entire mm-hmm. accounting department at that point? Yes, absolutely. Gotcha. So what made you decide to go off initially as a partnership, right? Yeah. But what, what made you decide to go into business? You know, even before the partnership, I started my own accounting or okay. tax practice part-time. Okay. So while I was still working full-time and initially with the partnership, I think it was really just to kind of minimize my exposure to risk. Right. Potentially that the business may not succeed. So yeah, I've got yeah. a partner to soften that blow. Had your bets a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so our goal was always to be able to get the business up and running successful so that we could leave corporate America right. and that be our sole source of income and where we would focus all of our effort. Was this somebody that you worked with? It was somebody that I worked with when I first started yeah. at Ernst Young. So I knew her pretty well and yeah. we were friends. Um, so it seemed like a good partnership, a good team to come together. We were both CPAs. Mm -hmm. So we thought that that would be a great partnership. So that kind of fell apart after a couple of years a little bit? (laughs) Yes, it did. Our intentions were great, but it just didn't uh, work out that way. Personality difference. Yeah. And I think goals was the main thing because when we started it, we were both working at the time, but our goals and, and pace of moving towards being self-sufficient for the business right. were different. Yeah. So it made sense for us to part ways and and to do so before it ruined the friendship. Right. So yep. <laughs> that was important too. So we're still friends to this day. We still talk. Uh, if there's business that my company can't handle, I will touch base with her and see if her company can do it. Right. So and it goes back and forth. So is she completely self-sufficient now too or is she still No, still still, she's working. still working for mm-hmm. the, Okay. So still a sideline. Yeah. But you are completely independent now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and this is advisory CPA group? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what is your target niche for mm-hmm. your company? Yeah. So I think that right now, even though our client current client list covers many different industries, but our, there will be two main groups that we'll focus on. Yeah. One will be the creative entrepreneur. So this is going to be people in the entertainment industry, whether it be huh. writers, songwriters or scripts. Uh, It could be photographers. It could be uh, producers, anything in that entertainment realm. So you're in the right place right here. (laughs) So we want to focus on those particular creatives that help bring the entertainment aspects that we see, Uh all those people that are behind the scenes and, you know, that help that industry. That's one of our main focus areas. What made you want to focus on that? I think 
for one, I have come in contact with quite a few of them that are current clients as well. But I see some of the pitfalls that they run into in terms of growing and sometimes growing very quickly, but not planning for that growth and then ending up with significant tax liabilities, and then sometimes liabilities that kind of catch up with them after the fact. So, and it's hard to get them out of that. So it'd be great to catch it on the front end and plan for it and put them in a better situation. And I think being here in Atlanta is perfect for it because of the overwhelming success of all the entertainment industries and, and locations here. So I thought that that would be a great focus area. And then the other industry or the other part of it is because we are a small business and women-owned, that opens us up to other opportunities from that perspective, particularly with government contracting. So we're almost 100% where we need to be in terms of getting all of those certifications that will make us more viable in that market space to be able to bid on certain opportunities. Gotcha. So you would actually be bidding on government contracts yourself. Yes. Which means you have to have your own accounting setup set mm-hmm. different for the government contract. Absolutely. Are you, are you doing any federal? Not not at this time, but local, we yeah. could also potentially be a sub on some contracts yeah. as well. So just having all of those things in place is is definitely the focus. Have you spent a lot of time over at Georgia Tech then, I assume, going at UGA. Mm-hmm. We've oh, got UGA. The, yeah, UGA has a lot of programs for um, small minority businesses. So I've gone through some of their programs. So fortunately, because I'm an accountant and yeah. I can skip all of those aspects of yeah, it yeah, where yeah. most small businesses have to go through that. But I can go straight to what do I need to know about government contracting and yeah. how to get all those certifications. It's a whole other world. It is. Yeah. Totally it, different. And getting into the federal side of it is extremely complex. Yes. <laughs> Especially. <laughs> it's not easy. But I think once you can get through all that red tape and figure out where you need to be to even be considered, then I think it's worth it. I I mean, I imagine there's even in a market for you with once you're doing that, that you could help other Mm-hmm. minority-owned, women-owned businesses Absolutely. who are trying to do government contracting right. might be able to... And just don't understand it because the, they have the to, language... They have to is, keep the books a certain way, don't they? they? Do. Just to even, and you yeah. have to submit financial statements every year for yeah. recertification. So if you're not able to do that along with tax returns, then you are subject to losing that certification. When you talked about consolidation accounting earlier, yeah. what's the uh, Hyperion platform? What, yeah. what is that? So that's a software system that okay. companies use to be able to take reporting from multiple different locations or businesses and then be able to roll that all up or consolidate it into one set of financial statements. And is that pretty much throughout the industry, that's what everybody uses? That, that is one of the, the main ones that a lot yeah. of companies use, but there are others out there. That was just the one that from the different companies that I work with, they all seem to use Hyperion. So yeah. it was easy for me to, to be able to take that skill set and transfer it to another company that also used that software. Right. And are you doing that now for some of your clients, some of the consolidation stuff still? Yeah, but on a smaller scale. So whereas I may have had 20 to 100 different companies within that corporate arena. Now I might have a smaller scale. Four or five or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you find that your clients have made, you know, without getting into specifics? Is there anything that you tend to find all of them doing over and over again? (laughs) I would say the, the biggest mistake is not realizing how important your accounting Uh, systems are for your business. So 
you might be the best person ever when it comes to Excel, yeah. but it's not the best way to account for everything. Do you find a lot of clients are still using spreadsheets? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, I'll have clients that will come to my office with a shoebox or a bag of receipts. Wow. And so, yeah, I give that all back to them because <laughs> that's not the best use of my time yeah. in terms of, you know, Go what home, I would have to charge the person. QuickBooks. Yes. <laughs> so I think just not realizing that accounting is just as important as, yeah. you know, the money that you're bringing in. You need to be able to account for everything that comes in and everything that goes out. Right. And December is not the time to try and figure that out, <laughs> <laughs> which is what a lot of people will start to do now is right. trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? And now it's overwhelming yeah. to them. And that's how things are missed in terms of deductions and expenses that you've had. Are these year. typically like new businesses? That no, you would be surprised. Really? You would be surprised. It will. It ranges from the the startup to ones that have been in business for years, and they could be very successful in terms of the income that they're bringing in. Yeah. I, I have you know half a million million dollar clients that do nothing in terms of accounting throughout the year, and I scratch my head and think, how do you make all this money? I mean, how are they even <laughs> taking? How are they taking deductions and stuff? Yeah. Like that? Well, that's what happens is because they have not thought about it all throughout the years. So yeah. now they're trying to figure out, well, where do I even start yeah. to come up with all of my expenses and deductions? And that's where you potentially end up paying more taxes than you should right. because you forgot about some huge expense that you had right. nine months ago. But if you had a system in place, whether it be QuickBooks or Zero or Sage, there's many different applications out there yeah. that they could use that would monitor that on a, on a daily basis and you could update it and have a report that you could run and see exactly where you are. Are, are any of your clients having difficulty with like QuickBooks online and stuff like that, making it work for their business, like any complexities in their business? That yeah, I think some of them want to be self-sufficient and want to do it. So yeah. we do offer training where we will show them exactly what you need to do to maintain your books. Yeah. But then some of them again, go into it with good intentions right. and think they're going to update it, but then they don't. And so, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, you can pay up front to make sure you have those things in place or it ends up costing you more at the end of the year because right. now someone has to go back and really look at 12 months of data, right. you know, hundreds of transactions per month and summarize everything for you. Are you doing like payroll and stuff like that as well? We do payroll. For those clients where we handle all of their accounting on a monthly basis, yeah. then we'll process payroll if they have employees as well. We generally don't do just payroll, right. but we'll do it if we're handling all of the other accounting as well. And are you strictly doing companies at this point or do you still do personal taxes? We do personal taxes as well. Okay. Um, that really accounts for, I would say, about 30% of our business. So oh, wow, okay. we have a, a huge amount of just individual tax clients that we really only see once a year. Right. Um, and the, the remaining portion will be the regular accounting and bookkeeping and tax planning clients that right. we have. How many people are on your staff? We have two people at the moment. Are you looking to expand anytime soon? We are. We are looking to expand uh, this year, actually. So we're getting ready to post for some new jobs and hoping to have some people on staff before the season really kicks in for taxes next year. 
do you have a space at your current location? Or we any, do. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, how big would you like to see your company grow? I would like to see it grow to about anywhere from eight to 10 employees. Okay. I think is a it's good manageable. number yeah. to manage and not be overwhelmed with just the human capital side of things. Yeah. Because with that comes, you know, a lot of just dynamics that you have to HR deal with. HR stuff that yes. you <laughs> Yeah. So I think that that's a good number to be able to grow from uh, in terms of growing the company, yeah. but also manageable um, in terms of the people that you have on staff. Well, is there anything else that you're looking forward to with uh, 2020 moving forward with your business? I think in 2020, we're definitely looking forward to expanding the, the two niche areas that we talked about and having the good processes in place for those. And then, especially for the creative entrepreneur, is being able to be at some different seminars and things like that to just present tips and things that they should think about as they're running their business so as to not get into some of those pitfalls that we see. Are you finding most of that's in the film industry around here? Or are you getting into much of the music industry? Or um, I've found that most of it is towards the film just right yeah. now. So I've gone to some women networking events, and most of those women in those events are in the film side of it for now. Subbing for different mm-hmm. you know, film productions and stuff like right. that. Yeah, There's not a lot of money in music at the moment, right. so I was wondering... <laughs> how <laughs> uh, it was going yeah a few people but. yeah i haven't had many many musicians but it's mostly been on the film side or talent um, yeah. managers that are scouting for the that talent that they're placing in those different right events. casting and yes. stuff like that mm-hmm. if there is anything that you would have done different in your business other than maybe the partnership right. thing that you talked about earlier what would you have done differently i think that when i started i would have put things in place to grow sooner Okay. You know, like initially um, adding people to my team quicker. Gotcha. So initially you're thinking I'm a startup and everything that you make, you're trying to keep it. Right. Right. <laughs> so you end up wearing too many hats you and do. split your focus. Yeah. Right. And yep. it's hard to focus on every aspect of the business. And yeah. so you realize you get to a point where you can't afford not to hire And you can't be good someone. at everything either. You absolutely can't. Yeah. Things fall through the crack. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want is to have that reputation that you can't meet your commitments. Right. So I think I would have prepared for growth a lot sooner than what I did instead of being overwhelmed and right. now I'm scrambling to get that's someone to, to help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on a personal level, you're an avid runner and a triathlete as well, right? I am, absolutely. How long have you been doing that? I started running probably 10 years ago. My daughter just turned 12. Uh-huh. And so I started running once she was born. Right. So I had, it was later in life when she was born. So I figured I had to do something to be around longer. Right, right. So I started running probably about 10 years ago and then uh, added on triathlons probably about seven years ago. So how much training do you do, especially for a triathlon? Yeah. So um, I will be training for an Ironman next year. So that consists of um, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride and a 26.2 mile run. Wow. All on the same day. Sequential, just no breaks. <laughs> no breaks, just to, you know, why? take off my bike <laughs> shoes, put on my running shoes. So why, why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> because I can and yeah. to, to see what 
limits I can push my body to. Yeah, yeah. Um, because one day I may not be able to. Is this so, the first time you're doing an Ironman? It's the first time I'm going to be doing the full or second yeah. time attempting the full. But I've done half Ironmans, which is half of that distance. Okay. So 70.3 miles versus 140.6 miles. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, you know, of all of the endurance athletes and triathletes, you know, out there in the world, only 1% of them have attempted a full Ironman. Wow. So it's it's a gruesome uh, training regimen, five to six days a week, and sometimes yeah. two disciplines. On so you're swimming day. every day, you're running every day, you're biking every day. Yeah, doing at least two of them almost okay. every day. Yeah. How long do you work out every day? Probably about two hours wow. when training really kicks in full swing. So I'm on the, the, the end of the season right now, so it'll kick up again in about two weeks, um, training for the first race in May. Wow. So That's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> and with marathons, how many marathons have you run? I have done three marathons. So I did the Chicago Marathon, okay. uh, the New York Marathon, and the Marine Corps Marathon in D.C. So with the Marine Corps Marathon, anybody can do it? Anybody or? can do it. You okay. don't have to be a Marine, but they do have Marines at the end yeah. handing you the medal and things like that. Oh, that's so very cool. Fatigues and whatnot. So it's pretty cool. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting network. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Spotify. Also check out our YouTube channel where we post topical video segments from the interview portion of this show. We post about 10 per week and they are a great way to add some additional content to your LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter feeds that your followers will appreciate. And of course, we appreciate you helping to promote our show. Just go to our website at websuasion.com, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N.com. At the top right, you'll see social media links. The third from the right is YouTube. Click that and then click the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. And then click the bell icon and we will notify you every time we post a new video. We are off for the next two weeks for the holidays, but we will be back on January the 6th to kick off the new year with a new series of great guests. We hope you'll join us. Have a wonderful holiday season. And as always, I wish you a productive work week.